So in early January, a boat with 185 Rohingya refugees washed ashore on the coast of Indonesia's Aceh province. They had spent weeks at sea in desperate conditions, fleeing cramped and overcrowded camps in Bangladesh in search of a better life. More than half were women and children. On the line to discuss this, we have Shabnam Mayat of Protect the Rohingya. Shabnam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome. Thank you very much for having me on the show. So many who are fleeing are in fear, saying they don't see a future in Bangladesh. Give us some insight into the desperation that leads to people having to do these things. Okay, so as you and the listeners remember, in 2017, um, the Myanmar military began its genocidal campaign against the Rohingya, forcing a million to cross the border into Cox's Bazaar in Bangladesh. That has subsequently become the world's largest refugee camp. The Rohingya in Bangladesh have very few livelihood opportunities. And even just last week, the armed police battalion of Bangladesh come under fire from Human Rights Watch and other organizations saying that they extort and abusing refugees in the camp. With the refugees not being allowed to leave the camps, to go to school, to seek their livelihoods, and of course those camps in Bangladesh being now totally fenced in, what has happened is that more desperation has come into the lives of And what are they doing? They're trying to flee. And what does that mean? It means, as we saw earlier in 2015, 2016, them taking to the sea at the hands of human traffickers. And of course, the problem here is the extreme abuse. And um, if you remember in 2016, uh, around 7,000 Rohingya were found just floating in the middle of the sea. Um, No food, no water. And again, something similar has been happening since November. Three boats have left and the situation is extremely dire. Has the international community pretty much forgotten about the Rohingya? Well, they've not forgotten, and, and in fact, the case that the ICJ has, um, you know, raised the issue in the international forum. However, you must remember that these ASEAN states, they've also signed declarations and documents in general um, in international law. There's a principle of non-refoulement, which says that we cannot return refugees to places where they're being persecuted. But there's also a Bali process. There's also UN protocols against human trafficking. And what these countries are doing in Affect Indonesia, Indonesia um, Sri Lanka, they're ignoring these. And they basically, when they're finding these refugees at sea, sometimes they're giving them food and fuel and pushing them out. And sometimes they're just not um, attending to them at all. So again, what we're seeing is that states not acting but the wonderful, kind people of the Arke province have gone down to the sea again, taking what little they found in their homes and helping, and the fishermen are helping the Rohingya ashore. And again, that just shows us that we can't just be sitting around waiting for states. We also have to take these steps. That doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, we're almost a year, uh, another year, um, anniversary, sorry, rather, of the coup in Myanmar. And because of around um, more than 13,000 people being imprisoned, almost 3,000 being killed uh, since the 1st of February coup, there's around 1,000, uh, 1.5 million people displaced and people's armies fighting um, the Myanmar military. The situation in Myanmar itself is extremely dire. So when we see people calling for the return of Rohingya, now is also not the time for that. What's the position currently of the of the Bangladeshi government? 
for the Bangladeshi government is saying that they don't want to take in more refugees. They also started earlier this year speaking about repatriation. Um, but we see slowly um, the welcome fading. And of course, yes, they've been very kind and they're a poor country and they've taken on a million refugees. But if we don't give these refugees the opportunity to seek a livelihood, to go to school, to live their lives, then is it still hospitality? Hmm. And, and what update can you give our listeners in terms of the situation currently in uh, in in Myanmar? So, um, as I said earlier, we uh, it's coming up to the anniversary, but um, already the was you know the the deaths are hitting the three thousand mark, the arrests, um, the the detentions. But what has happened um, since the military coup is that young people from the cities have gone out and have joined um, people's uh, the people's army. And you must remember that Myanmar is one of the countries with the world's longest civil wars, right? And so what has happened is that those armies along the borders have now or uh, have come together rather and they're fighting the Myanmar military and there's um, a government um, in absentia in, in essence um, who, are, who are calling for change within the country and so states need to recognize them and states need to put more pressure because with all of this can you imagine that states still selling arms and weapons are still doing trade with Myanmar and the Myanmar military biggest owner of assets in that country. So it's almost like rewarding bad behavior. States like Israel, like India, continue to do trade and continue to have relationships. Um, and, and this is one of the biggest problems. I know humanitarian uh, agencies and NGOs and the like are, are trying their best. Uh, to, to what extent have they been able to, uh, to assist? To what extent are they allowed to assist? So, you know, there's the daily issue of on the ground because the Rohingya in my, um, in Cox's Bazaar, for example, um, need full-time assistance, right? Of course, the aid is not enough. So that is happening. But then they also need mental health services. They also have to be school and education services. And that's not happening. And then if you think about the other side in Myanmar, it's practically an active war zone. So those Rohingya who are in refugee camps since around, uh, 2012, 2011, 2012, they they're still remaining there, over 100,000 of them, not to mention those 600,000 Rohingya who still live in Myanmar and the dire situations that they're after. So there has to be um, a call for humanitarian access to be made available inside Myanmar and that for, for Rohingya in Bangladesh to be treated at the full spectrum of refugee rights. All right. Shabnam, shukran so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. That was uh, Shibnam Mayat uh, talking to us about the plight of the Rohingya after this recent drowning at sea. She is with the organization Protect the Rohingya.